Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Scripture today is 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 through 13. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three agree. And there are three that bear witness on the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made God a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God gave of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. When I was in college, I came across a magazine that had a picture of a large hand tightly gripping a student between the thumb and forefinger. The caption across the top of the page asked the question, is the world squeezing you into its mold? That's a good question, isn't it? Every day, in many different ways, the world pulls at the follower of Jesus Christ to distract us from our primary focus to live as children of the resurrection. Remember that during these 50 days following Easter, all around the world the church is celebrating the Easter season. The reality of Christ's resurrection is greater and stronger than the changing circumstances around us. Viruses and pandemics can't take away the fact of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
you see the good news of the gospel is that Christ has risen. The whole message of the book of 1 John is that followers of Jesus Christ, having been born again and received the Holy Spirit, can live as resurrection children. Now, what does that mean? Well, John says that resurrection children bear observable fruit. This is the privilege of being united with Christ. This is why we pray in the prayers for this week. To thy resurrection, O Christ, our Savior, the angels in heaven sing, make us also who are on the earth worthy to glorify thee with pure hearts. Genuine believers, genuine followers of the Lord are to be marked by five characteristics. They practice truth, not falsehood. They walk in the light as Christ walked in the light. They obey his commandments by keeping his words. They fervently love one another. And they overcome the world. St. John has taught on the first four of these observable fruits in chapters 1 to 4 of his epistle. Now in chapter 5, he teaches on overcoming the world. He says in verse 4, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Now what does he mean by the word world? He doesn't mean the beauty of God's creation all around us. God has made such marvelous beauty in the trees, flowers, the living creatures and animals of his world. We are to appreciate and care for his creation. What John does mean by the word world is all the powers opposed to God and his way of life. Everything that draws us away from God, including our wrong desires and the seductions of the devil, are considered the world. This includes such things as falsehood, godlessness, immorality, the lust for power and pride. All of these things distract us from God and keep us off the path that leads to eternal life. Now John says, whatever is born, not whoever is born. It's a small distinction, yet an important one. He's stating the principle in its most general sense, to emphasize not the individual believer, but the power of God. It is not the man, but his birth from God which conquers the world. The new birth has changed us from within, transformed our lives, and taken us out of the sphere of the world where Satan rules and into the family of God. We are delivered from the power of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's dear Son. How does the one who is born of God overcome the world? By faith. The verb overcomes in verse 4 is in the present continuous tense, meaning continuous ongoing overcoming. This is the tremendous promise of God that the believer has continuous habitual overcoming of the world and all its distractions. Now listen, beloved. There are many pressures which threaten to disrupt our union and communion with God. There are moral pressures, the outlook, standards, and preoccupations of the godless secular society around us. There is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life that John has talked about already in chapter 2. 
Then there are intellectual pressures to believe in falsehood and heresies, to follow subtle teachings that sound good but end up deceiving us. Finally, there are physical persecutions, the warring against the body of Christ by evil men who hate the truth. This is tragically seen today in the Middle East, where Christians are still being crucified for their faith by ISIS. We need to remind ourselves that the world lies in our way to heaven. The world seeks to prevent us from getting there. But God has promised that the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God overcomes the world. Now, what is the faith that overcomes the world? It isn't the faith that investors place in the stock market. It isn't the faith that a dictator places in his power to control a nation. It isn't a blind leap in the dark based on feelings. Real faith is placing my trust in a secure object of faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, real faith depends upon testimony. It depends upon the reliability of the witnesses to a fact. Our faith in Jesus Christ as the true Son of God who came in the flesh for our salvation has three witnesses. Look at verse 8. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. These are three objective, reliable witnesses. Water refers to the baptism of Jesus by which he was declared to be the Son of God and empowered for his work. You will remember the story. When Jesus came to John the Baptist, he asked John to baptize him. John said, No, Lord, but I need to be baptized by you. Jesus said, Allow this to be done, and John obeyed. When Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens opened, and the voice of God the Father spoke, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit came down upon Jesus in the form of a dove. These are all historically true, verifiable events. Blood refers to the cross of Jesus. Hebrews 9.12 says, Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Of course, it is the precious blood of Jesus that we remember each Lord's Day when we take Holy Communion. We have the historical meaning of blood on the cross and the symbolic meaning of blood available to us in the Lord's Supper. So there are three reliable witnesses to the truth about Jesus Christ, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. All three of these witnesses agree, establishing beyond a doubt the truth about the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. What about people in both John's day and in our own day who deny the Incarnation and refuse to believe upon Jesus? John says in verse 9 and 10 that they are without excuse. If we believe the witness of men, as we commonly do in court proceedings all the time, the witness of God is greater, which he has already testified concerning his Son. Now, what is the purpose of this threefold testimony? The whole purpose of the threefold testimony is to evoke faith in Christ, to show the believer that he has sufficient grounds, he has a firm foundation for his faith.
because his faith isn't believing in his own believing, faith doesn't rotate around me and my feelings of how much or how little faith I have, biblical faith has its eyes firmly upon the facts of Christ, the solid object of faith. Now, with these three witnesses and such reliable evidence for the truth about Jesus Christ, why don't more people believe upon him? Because the real issue when it comes to faith and belief is not in the intellect, but in the will. If it were only up to the intellect alone, there would be only a very small number of unbelievers in the world because the evidence is so overwhelming for the truthfulness of Christianity. But the real difficulty is in the will, because the will has the power to shape and control conviction. The will sees the understanding on the point of embracing a conviction and says to itself, this can't be or I'll lose control. I'll be forced to do what I don't want to do. So the will balks against the intellect and figures out ways to refute the truth the intellect is on the point of accepting. Jesus said in John 7:17, 7, If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine. In other words, if we are willing to believe and if we are willing to accept the facts about the Lord Jesus, we can lean the whole weight of our trust upon him. This is why the Holy Spirit is the only one who can change the will of a man and incline him to belief. The Spirit guides the will of man toward the gospel and opens our eyes to see the truth and be set free by it. to exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. Now in verses 10 to 13, John describes the results of believing in the witnesses about Christ. The first result is the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. There is a clear choice that comes to every man and woman. Believe or refuse to believe. Verse 10 says, He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made God a liar because he has not believed in the testimony God has given of his Son. Beloved, listen. There is an enormous contrast between belief and disbelief. 
If I believe upon Jesus, I receive a deep assurance by the Holy Spirit that I was right to trust in the facts about Christ. I receive an unshakable conviction that I know that my decision was true and right. On the other hand, the unbeliever who rejects Christ shuts himself off from further testimony because he has made God a liar. Unbelief is no small thing. It is not a mistake. It is a grave error. It is a sin to be deplored. We must quickly run away from unbelief and turn with all our hearts into the truth. Now, the second result of believing the testimony about Jesus is entrance into life. Verse 11 is beautiful. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Listen, Jesus came to give us an eternal kind of life. The way to this life is faith. And the way to faith is believing the testimony God has given to us about his Son. To have the Son of God as my Lord and Savior means I can say, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Faith makes Christ a present, cherished possession. Now the word eternal means belonging to the age to come. But since the age to come has already broken into the present age in Christ, the life of the age to come can be received and enjoyed now, today. Faith in Christ makes available this eternal kind of life. I enter into the life of Christ now, and when I die, I enter into fully developed life in Christ, life on steroids in eternity. The third result of believing God's testimony about Jesus is that we may know that we have eternal life. This just gets better and better, beloved. St. John wrote his epistle not so that the reader might believe and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what he's doing in the Gospel of John. But here in the epistle of John, He's writing so that those who have already believed and received Christ and been baptized into the church may continue to have the eternal kind of life through him. He says in verse 13, These things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, what is eternal life and how can we know that we have it? Eternal life is the life of God himself in the believer. The glorious promise of the gospel is that we can enjoy an eternal kind of life here and now. We can begin to participate in the very life of God. In God, there is peace, and therefore eternal life means a life of peace and serenity. It means walking through life without despair because our peace doesn't come from without. There may be viruses and plagues and pandemics and earthquakes, but in God we have peace and serenity because we belong to him and we live in his kingdom. In God is power and therefore eternal life means the defeat of frustration. 
It means a life filled with God's strength and therefore victorious over our circumstances. In God, there is holiness, and therefore eternal life means the defeat of sin. It means that God's purity can, in fact, live inside us, shielding us from the infections and distractions of this world. In God, there is love. Therefore, eternal life means the end of bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred. I now have the joy of loving God and loving the children of God, my brothers and sisters in Christ. In God, there is life, and therefore eternal life means the abolishment of death. It means that in his death and resurrection, Jesus Christ defeated death and brought life and immortality to us. This life comes through Jesus Christ and in no other way. Real life, this eternal kind of life, doesn't come from education. It doesn't come from human experiences. It doesn't come from our family connections. It doesn't come from man-made religion. It is found only in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can possess this eternal kind of life only when we know God and live in daily partnership with him. St. John is writing to give the believers practical tests by which they may know that they have eternal life. God's purpose for his children is not only that they hear, believe, and live in the truth, but that his children should know deep within them that they do have this eternal kind of life that Jesus promised. There are four very important words to keep in mind here. They are the words hear, believe, live, and know. We must hear the gospel taught and preached. Preaching is meant to come through the human voice into the ear and to the heart. Words are meant for hearing. Up until the invention of the printing press in 1440, authors wrote books that were meant to be read aloud. That's because the sound produced by the spoken word is the most alive and real sound of all, much more than ink on a page. So we begin with hearing the gospel. Then we go on to believing in the gospel. Believing means to put my whole weight and trust and confidence in who Jesus is and what he has done on the cross. To believe means to trust. To trust means to put my whole confidence in Jesus as the Lord. Then we go on to live in union and communion with God in day-by-day partnership with him. We depend upon Jesus to live his life through us as we love and obey him. We practice repentance. We practice turning away from ourselves and fully surrendering ourselves to God's will and purpose through us. Now, what is the result of hearing, believing, and living? Knowing. Do you see the the process here. Hearing leads to believing, believing leads to living, and living leads to knowing. When we hear, believe, and live the gospel, we develop a settled knowledge of our salvation. This knowledge comes from experiencing the abundant kind of life that Jesus promised to give us. 
remember what Jesus said in John 10.10. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. This abundant quality of life that Jesus gives has nothing to do with material possessions or acquisitions. It has to do with learning from him how to live my life as he would live my life if he were me. It is learning that Jesus is living in me now. He is living his life through me in my circumstances. He is daily changing me from the inside out, transforming me into his character and likeness. This is what C.S. Lewis meant when he said, Now the whole offer which Christianity makes is this, that we can, if we let God have his way, come to share in the life of Christ. If we do, we shall then be sharing a life which was begotten, not made, which always existed and always will exist. Christ is the Son of God. If we share in this kind of life, we also shall be sons of God. We shall love the Father as he does, and the Holy Spirit will arise in us. He came to this world and became a man in order to spread to other men the kind of life he has, by what I call good infection. Every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian is simply nothing else, end quote. So what is the vision of the Christian life that St. John presents here in chapter 5 of his epistle? That the Christian can overcome the world and live in the eternal kind of life that Jesus promised. This is the glory of the gospel which flows from the truth of the resurrection. We can bear observable fruit. We can practice truth, not falsehood. We can walk in the light as he walked in the light. We can obey his commandments by keeping his word. We can love one another. And we can overcome the world. What a prospect! What a glorious vision of reality! Listening friend, will you right now enter into Christ's eternal kind of life? Will you overcome the world and its deceptions to live for Christ and his kingdom? Let's pray together. O oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for giving us the gift of overcoming life through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Show us how to trust in him. Teach us how to live in his strength so that we overcome the world around us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may reflect the character and likeness of your dear Son. We pray this with thanksgiving in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. 
This gospel outreach is entirely listener-supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.